making time to come on the podcast today. Thank you. My pleasure. It's, uh, it's always good to speak with you. Anyone who makes 4,000 cookies to share with people riding their bikes is pretty legendary in my eyes. Oh gosh. I think <laughs> I planned this at just the right time then because you saw the post just in time for me to reach out because what really happened, the true legend is of course yourself. I put a call out on social and said, who do people want to hear on the podcast? And the number one rave review coming back was Lisa Bentley, Lisa Bentley. So as I said to you before we jumped on, I'm getting you on the podcast before you start getting too inundated with many (laughs) requests. But Lisa, as I shared with you right before jumping on here is we love to riff on things that we might not be able to easily find out about you online. So we'll make sure in the notes below, people know where to find you, where to buy your book. I have two copies. I highly recommend you read it. Buy it for a friend. We can follow you on Instagram. We know what you're up to in you know the day-to-day that you'd like to share. But on this podcast, I want to dive into Lisa beyond finish lines, Lisa beyond the 11-time Ironman champion, you have transitioned into wearing many different hats and I think it's a very fascinating story to be able to transition away from sport that you have done obviously so well at your Canada's hero and yet you're still so involved and you told me you know I'm going back to Kona because it's a family reunion and (laughs) not everyone goes back to Kona after having raced there so can we start there, Lisa? Life after sport for you. What, had it, what has it been like? Where has it taken you? And what are you up to now? I've been so lucky since retiring from professional sport. I've, you know, I've continued to coach. I coached while I was racing, but then I built that into having more athletes and getting more involved and getting to train with them, which I love. Uh, I do management work and sponsorship work for some professional athletes. So I find them sponsors, maintain their sponsorship relationships. I also do that for some races in Ontario, which I love. So I grew up with the Subaru Triathlon Series and Subaru Ironman 70.3 Muskoka and was part of the group that brought Subaru Iron Girl Canada to Canada. Uh, So I've continued to be involved with those Ontario races that I raced 30 years ago now uh, that were my starting point. So it's been kind of fun to continue to attend those and and work with the teams that produce them. I also wrote a book. I had been wanting to write a book for a long time and missed the boat on it a bit. I got too busy. I was doing TV broadcasting and doing some TV work. So it in, in Ironman Live at the time years ago, about eight or eight years ago, and was approached to write a book and never got past the table of contents, let it slide for a lot of years. And then I, I was doing more and more speaking. And if you want to develop your speaking, you pretty much have to have a book. And so I thought, okay, well, I got to do this. So let's sit down and let's start writing. And once I started writing, it came pretty quick. And so that was a, you know, pretty, pretty huge project and a wonderful thing for me to do. So I'm continuing to speak and sell my book and and be involved with races. I still wear my Subaru hat. I was sponsored by Subaru for, gosh, a lot of years, probably about 12 or 13 years as, a, as an athlete. 
And while I'm not a sponsored athlete anymore, I'm still part of the Subaru family and I do some events for them as their ambassador, which I just love because, you know, I really, any, any, any sponsor I've represented through my career, whether it be Cervelo or Saucony or Subaru, I, I love them and they were family to me. So I'm so excited that I still get to work with Subaru even now that I'm not racing in more of a, a spokesperson role. So that makes me really happy as well. So yeah, I get to, and I get to, as you can hear, I'm a puppy mom, <laughs> so, yeah, which I love. And really that's my favorite thing is taking my dogs for a walk. And I spend a lot of hours a day doing that. So yeah, it's a pretty full life. It's full. And you live between Ontario and Florida. Is that right? Yes. I started to go to Florida in 2002 to train to escape the Canadian winters. And uh, so back then from 2002 to basically 2009, we put the dogs in the car, drive down to Florida and stay there for a few months in the winter, come back, race Ironman Australia and start racing. And then when I retired in 2009, 2010, I still found myself pointing the car south with the dogs on in tow and kept going down. And so we eventually uh, made it possible that we would spend, uh, you know, quite a few months over the winter in both, you know, we're in Florida in the winter principally, and we're in Ontario in the spring, summer, fall. Amazing. I mean, Ontario, especially in the fall, is one of my favorite places to be. So it's a beautiful place. So you are one of Canada's most highly decorated Ironman athletes. You're also one of Canada's favorite. You're known to have a glorious smile all of the time. I mean, I remember watching you race in Penticton and like, how is this woman in a bathing suit running a marathon so fast, smiling like she is? And yet, it's not super common that people retire and stay as involved and as interested and passionate about sport as you have. And I'm just curious if you put any thought or if it's even crossed your heart as to what has kept this fire burning for you so authentically and so passionately. I, you know, I, I loved, I loved what I did. Absolutely loved it. And of course it was difficult. You know, there's, it's not easy to go do hill intervals on your bike and run intervals all the time and go to races and, and, you know, really want to perform. And that's, there's a lot of, of difficulty. So I'm not saying that racing was an easy thing, but I, I really, at, at the core of it, I loved what I did. And I would get to the start line or wake up the race day morning. And I literally would say to myself, there's nothing I would rather do today than do this race. So it's hard to leave that. I guess when you really love it, it wasn't a job. It was my career. It was my lifestyle. And so it's, it really has continued. And, and it's funny because I, I did have the conversation with my husband when I was stepping away from sport, uh, since I have a degree in math and computer science. And I thought, oh, well, I guess, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get a job at a computer company or pursue a professional career at, behind a desk kind of thing. And my husband said, are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you've got your sport. You've gone through your career building a brand and building a connection to these people. And you can't leave that. Like, you've got stuff to do. And I, I don't think I really realized it until he said that to me. It takes somebody else that's on the outside. You know, it's kind of like a coach telling you you're tired or you need to take some recovery days or you're overtrained. We, the athlete can't see that. You need someone on the outside to see it. And it, for me, it was my husband saying, you've got too much invested in the sport in your heart to walk away without, you know, being involved. And it, it's so true. You know, I go to an event and I, 
like I look at it and think, okay, we could do, we could do this differently. We could do this better. Or, oh, I, I, like I'll see a, a, somebody in industry that would be a great partner for a triathlon and I'll want to approach them for sponsorship. It's just, I did it for 20 years for myself. So it's easy for me to keep doing it. So I think that's what keeps me involved. And then I, I know that sport helped me so much develop self-esteem and kept me healthy. And I just want to share that with other people. And triathlon is so good for, for people to be doing, to feel a sense of accomplishment. And like, even now I still swim, bike and run. And I set little goals for myself and not racing goals, but I'll say to myself, okay, I want to ride my bike today for four hours. And I really want to do that. Like, I don't want to get off early. I, it's sort of like, that's my accomplishment for the day. So I still kind of use it as my you know, I, I get a sense of joy from being involved with it, whether it be as a source of exercise or whether it be connecting to people, whether it be seeing a beginner do their first triathlon, whether it's me see a 70 year old do their first triathlon, whether it be seeing someone in the business world become a partner of triathlon. So yeah, it just, um, I, I love sports. So it's, it's pretty easy for me to stay involved. I think that when you're in sport and, you know, you speak of this so effortlessly, it's, and it's so wonderful. I mean, I think we all need to find a husband like your Dave <laughs> for him to recognize that within your heart is a beautiful thing. And for you to acknowledge it is also a beautiful thing that, you know, obviously has allowed you to live a life of constant joy, not that intervals aren't hard and it's not, <laughs> haven't done hard things, but you have found joy in the hard things. And mm -hmm. I think that's noteworthy because it translates to so much more than sport. And it's easy to say, you know, this is going to be it. I'm done. Cold turkey, no more. Or there can also be a sense of guilt around, I don't want it to be over. I love this so much. How do I continue to incorporate it into every season? And as life changes and new chapters, it's a brilliant example that you might not race professionally anymore. You might not race all that often at all, but it, it still can be a, an instrumental part of your life. And one of my favorite stories about you, actually, Lisa, this might have been even before we met. So I'm coached by Jasper Blake, mm -hmm. whom I know that you know dearly. Mm -hmm. And Jasper told me that he, I, I believe you were racing around the same time. Is that right? You're yes. Both? Yeah. yeah. And he said that during your time racing together, he thinks that you might have only missed one workout and it's because you were in the hospital getting your appendix out. <laughs> and he said there was just not a workout ever missed. There wasn't weather. There wasn't something else. You weren't sick. If you were sick, you knew how to adapt to things. It's just Lisa Bentley never missed a workout and never missed a session. Mm -hmm. And I think that that speaks to so much because it means you've been able to manage injury, you were able to manage fatigue, illness, all of these things, and, and how you've made decisions so powerfully around that. And yet what I think is cool is you're still out for four-hour rides. So mm -hmm. I want to hear how, or rather, what the habits were that you created as a pro that you've translated to just become your life now. You know, no one's telling you to go and ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's not just about the sessions. It's about everything else that had to happen so that as a pro, you, you only missed one session in your career. I don't know if that's actually true. Maybe there was two. <laughs> How has that translated now for you into, into your life, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I, I'd say it came from my parents when, you know, when I was a little kid and I was given little tasks or 
whatever it was, let's say I bought a coloring book and like I had to use the coloring book. Like that was just the way it was. If you had something, you used it. And um, if you put your crayons away when you're finished and you tidy up after yourself and, and then it branched into you have talents, you need to use them and you have a gift, you must use it, you must share it. So that's sort of what was always given to me by my parents and to never quit. Like you might not be the best or you might not be the fastest or you might not be the prettiest or you might, whatever it was, it was ingrained in me from the moment I was, had a memorable thought was to never quit and that there was never a reason to quit. Now there can be negatives with that too, because I almost finished the Hawaii Ironman with a burst appendix. So that wasn't <laughs> quite a good time to not quit. But um, I, I, I get disappointed in myself if I quit. And that has to be tempered a little bit. That has to be balanced with not being kind to yourself as well. So loving yourself enough to let yourself off the hook. But, uh, and, and I do, like I've learned that now outside of outside of sport that other things take place but then I don't I don't look at it as quitting so if I had to get off of my bike to answer a phone call that was necessary I'm going to do that and if that has to shorten the session then that's fine or if you know if something comes up if Dave needs something or you know I'm not missing a dog walk I can tell you that I we, we got a new puppy and she's a crazy dog and in the old you know a year ago I, before we got her, I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and I'd do my exercise early and then my nine-year-old dog would wake up. She never wanted to get up early. She'd wake up at seven and then I'd take her, my husband and I would take her for a walk. That was our morning. Well, now we have the puppy and she gets, she's like happy morning dog. So she gets up when I get up. So there's no more morning workouts. And I just, I don't, I love it. I love it. And we go out and I walk with her from five till six. And then finally the bigger one gets up and then I walk them both from six to seven. And I'm just the crazy dog lady that's walking your dog. So, you know, life takes over at certain stages. So I, I accommodate to things, but yeah, I won't let myself, you know, I set my priorities and whatever those priorities are, I, I don't accept in myself to not complete them mm. uh, if, I, if I can manage it. Yeah. Can I ask about the future of Lisa Bentley? Of course, sport has changed dramatically since you've been a part of it, since your days of racing and it continues to evolve. When you think of the next, you know, five or 10 years of your involvement personally within sport and also your wish for, for our sport of triathlon, where do you see it going and what do you wish for, Lisa? Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting because I I really, I wish to continue personally to be active and that active is, is changing for sure. Like I don't see myself doing another marathon mainly because I don't want to get injured. I don't want to miss a dog walk. I don't want to miss running with my dogs or going for a bike ride with an athlete for the sake of me crossing the finish line of a marathon and all that it takes to do that and risking injury. I know I'm getting older and that ultimately when I'm 80, I want to be walking and we all eventually turn into walkers and swimmers because of our bodies. So my goal is really to just continue to be as active as I can, but also find new activities and, uh, and share those with people and continue to coach and, and help my athletes make their breakthroughs. That makes me happy. And in our sport, I, yeah, I, I love, I want to see people love our sport. And it's, it's, of course, changed a lot since I raced. And it's become a much more professional in a sense, like it's um, in terms of 
well, of course, social media makes it that way. Everyone is, has um, a lot of profile and take it very seriously as they should, but it's just more out there. You know, you could hide and go and come in third in Hawaii 10 years ago. Now, no one's hiding and coming in third in Hawaii. Everyone's very much an open book. Yeah. And my goal for the professionals of now is to really love the sport and that when they walk away from the sport, that they keep loving sport and sharing it because it is, I, I sometimes I feel like it's gotten so, um, regimented that it takes the love away a little bit mm. and uh, you know back when the olympics were born for triathlon the itu athletes had to go from race to race to race to race to qualify and accumulate points and they were exhausted and there were several itu athletes that were like top athletes that would just tell me oh i can't wait to retire yeah. like i can't stand this this is so much drudgery and that makes me really sad. <laughs> and I feel like maybe Ironman is getting to be like that a little bit because yeah. of qualifying and, and it, you know, it's a real hard, you know, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I just hope that the athletes maintain their love of sport and that when they walk away, they don't completely leave this incredible lifestyle, which has brought so much joy currently to their lives, or at least I hope so. And yeah. then I hope they encourage other athletes to take up sport. And, and it's, you know, I, I see amateur athletes doing sport. And when I watch Iron Girl, I mean, that warms my heart. Iron Girl, we get women of all shapes and sizes walking. Like they, they start the run walking. I just love that. They walk the swim because we make it on a beach start where you could actually walk the entire way if you're afraid or whatever. And, and it doesn't bother me at all. Like I love that they are putting themselves out there and they're like, yeah, I'm afraid to, I'm afraid of this water. So I'm going to swim a bit and walk a bit and swim a bit. And I love that because I just want them to feel that joy of crossing the finish line. So that is where I want to see the sport grow the most. I want to see those grassroots races. I want to see people say, Hey, what are you doing Saturday? Oh, I'm going to go do a triathlon. Fantastic. Like that's the way life is in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. And I want that to be like the norm in North America. It's like, what are you doing on Saturday watching a football game? I want it to be, what are you doing on Saturday? Hey, I'm going to go do a triathlon, then I'm going to watch the football game. I'd love that. So that's where I'd like to see our sport go. Amazing. You're so right. And I think it's actually equally applicable to the business world. And mm -hmm. we, it's, it's almost acceptable in the business world to be exhausted and mm -hmm. so tired. And in fact, hopefully careers within the business world have brought you joy along the way. I mean, you've mm -hmm. dedicated 40 hours plus of your week toward your vocation. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's nothing more inspiring than talking to someone who loves how they spend their days and whether mm -hmm. that's, you know, sitting at a desk or, or riding your bike or whatever your chosen vocation is. But to hear what you say about, you know, retiring athletes, while it is totally exhausting and it's mentally taxing and it's physically taxing and there's, you know, it's, I always say it's, it's not the easiest way to pay your mortgage. <laughs> and, and while it might not be the easiest way, I too, I'm so with you that I just hope we never lose the joy and the privilege of choosing how, we make our money and mm -hmm. how we make, and not just money, but rather our meaning in this world. And mm -hmm. some of the best lessons, I think, and I know that you speak to this, that you, you, you don't only speak to athletes, you actually take your lessons from sport and speak to people in the business world because the lessons are so, so mm -hmm. applicable. And I think that that's really, really special. Mm -hmm. You're headed back to the big islands for mm -hmm. 
Kona yet again, and you speak of it being a, a family reunion of sorts. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to ask you this. And I know that you have your own athletes that will be there racing, but am I, am I allowed to ask who, who you think will be men and women podium finishers? (laughs) Sure. Gosh. Yeah. I think uh, holy. Mm. Actually, you know what, Lisa? Let's do who your pick for the podium and who's the underdog that you think will surprise us. Whether or not they make it onto the podium, who's the underdog to watch in, in both races? Well, I should probably have a start list in front of me, so I'm probably going to miss a bunch of people. I'd say I'll just start with, um, let's see. I mean, I think we'll get, uh, Daniela Reef is, is truly unstoppable. I really think she's just the cream of the crop. Lucy Charles is unreal. I mean, I think it's amazing to see such a young woman just like really sink her teeth into it. Like she is just really sinking her teeth and she's legitimate. She's not afraid at all. I just love that. And uh, I think Marinda's become a bit of an underdog just because she's broken her elbow. Uh, But I, I hate to call her an underdog because she's, you know, multiple world champion. So, you know, she's more, she, I, I would say she's on the podium, but she might be, have a little bit of a underdog tinge to her just because of her misfortune with her elbow but I don't think that's going to hold her back at all to be honest I think she's going to be just fine she's going to get through that swim and then just hammer that bike and run and and be right there uh with the man with the man Jan Ferdino he's he's really metered out his racing and put special attention to Kona again no one's sending me their training log but uh he's just such a professional and the fact that he he had the restraint to miss out on 70.3 worlds is uh is, is pretty stellar. So I, I see him being there. Gosh, the other men, that that's a tough one. Uh, I, there's just, there's such a deepness to the men's field. I think a sentimental favorite would be someone like Sebastian Keenley, mainly because he's so darn honest and funny and has such a big personality. So it'd be pretty fun to see him, him charge through. And, you know, Patrick Langa, he obviously has the run, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different race now. I think one, rather than focus on who might be on the podium in the men's, just to speak to the fact that now the pro men and pro women starts so much earlier, 6.25 and 6.30. And then you have the age group athletes that come in so much later. You've got some age group women starting at 7.25. And, you know, just for people listening, t- keep in mind that those are hugely different variations in weather, yeah. <laughs> one hour. And so the pros are going through 30 minutes earlier than say Mark Allen and Dave Scott did. And that's a big difference in the winds. And then you have some of the age group women going off at 725. Again, a very different wind situation from seven o'clock. So you get uh, the big crosswinds, you get the big cross, you get you know a little bit of tailwind, then you get crosswinds, then you get a little tailwind and then you end up crosswinds again they usually get a headwind home and I think when you have the different variations in time you can almost ride that that tailwind a long time (laughs) so and the crosswinds don't get up as much so yeah I think from now on we're always going to see some some seriously fast times right it's very true and you know what we saw last year was a very quiet wind so we just really don't know and I ask about your podium picks because this podcast will be released the Tuesday before the race and uh, you and I will both be in Hawaii at that point in time Mm -hmm. and I think that I'm actually really excited for both races and I think there's some spectacular underdogs that might not 
have been all over social media this year like we would have expected. And I think with so many Ironman races, it's, it's almost hard to keep track of everyone mm-hmm. now. Yet, I think the race will undeniably be exciting. And it goes beyond the pro races, of course. And seeing, mm-hmm. seeing amateurs finish, seeing amateurs finish in the dark, it will forever you know, give me goosebumps. So <laughs> the day will not be over when the, the pros finish. And Lisa, I guess we have to wrap. And I just look forward to catching up with you on the big island. And it's been such an honor to be able to have you on the cast. But the last question we always ask is, what is currently making your heart beat faster? <laughs> well, my heart is beating faster. I think I'm going to Kona. But yeah, I'm get, having to use some of my own positive thinking tools and my own tactics, to be honest, because I've had a bit of a injury, which is shocking given that I'm retired from sport, but it set me back a bit and the prognosis isn't great and could spell out some future surgery for me. So I have to say my, uh, my heart's beating pretty quick, but as I do try to reframe things into a, a positive light, I, you know, I can handle this. And I've got the tools to handle it and come back. And there's never, ever been a a hardship that I've endured that hasn't come out to be a very rosy colored garden afterwards. So there's always things to learn and there's something to be learned in every, um, every misstep that we take. So yeah, my heart's beating a little bit faster as I book uh, appointments to see surgeons and (laughs) figure out timing and figure out how I'm going to keep myself occupied. My biggest fear in life is being bored Mm. and, or being inactive. You know, I love movement. If I could walk my dogs 10 hours a day, I would. So, um, yeah. So yeah, my heart's beaten as fast as it would on an interval bike ride as I wait in anticipation uh, of getting rid of some of this uncertainty. (laughs) Got it. And uncertainty is so real. And um, like I said, I'll make sure that people know how to follow you below because as you've said, you've had hardship and your ability to frame things in certain ways and to come back is second to none. And it's so phenomenal. And I will just end with one of the first times we spoke was actually at Ironman Muskoka. And I was out running the marathon. I was a little proud amateur. Mm -hmm. And I said, Lisa, tell me something I need to hear right now. (laughs) Run the mile you're in. And (laughs) I think you just kept repeating that as I like ran by you and kept running. And, and I just, I want you to know that I think of that all the time and I think of it running and I think of it training for a marathon and I think of it, you know, navigating life. And I guess I get to say that back to you that you just get to be in the mile you're in right now and you get to wait for the next phone call and the next surgeon. And I hope you don't get too far ahead. Because, you know, these moments of uncertainty are what make us really appreciate the other side that is more certain. Thank you. You're so beautiful. That just made my heart beat faster. So I'm going to change my answer. (laughs) Yes, run run the mile you're in, ride the road you're on. And uh, be present, girl. You're you're awesome. You are great. I'll see you in Hawaii. Hey, thanks for listening to another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I'm Steph, and I'm so proud and thrilled to bring to you the Now What, the course designed for people who have quit their job, lost their job, or are looking for a new job. I have the pleasure, the honor of hearing about people's hopes and dreams and listening to the 
distraught of people's voices that don't love how they get to spend Monday mornings. Please join us in this program. We're launching live off the start line on October 15th, and I'd love to have you come along. Or perhaps you know a friend, a colleague, family member, and you're ready for them to not be so disgruntled. Invite them. The details are below. The cart opened October 2nd, and it will close October 11th. The time is now.